All right, well, thanks, everyone, for coming out for the podcast and set. Yeah. Woo! My, my guest this week is Mr. David Park. That's me. David. That's my name. Yes. Uh, and I've known you for, I'm guessing, about 12 years? At least, yeah. Maybe more. I, I always kind of like, the, the range between 10 to 15 is very vague to me because I don't like to admit that time is passing and I'm getting older. Uh, but it is. And I am. Not me, man. <laughs> Younger every day. Yeah, but uh, I think it's at least at least that. Because I came out here in, in uh, 2004 and then left and then came back and then left again and then came back. It's a series of uh, revolving doors. But no, I've been here for the better part uh, That'd be 12 years. of 12 years. 2004 and now, 12 yeah. years. Yeah. I was right. You were. Well done. Thank you. Very well uh, done. And where are you from originally? I'm from Dallas, Texas, um, although you wouldn't really notice it except for my use of y'all uh, because my mom's from Brooklyn and my dad was from all over and uh, I was made elsewhere and then they relocated to Texas. All right, so, so you, uh, but that's where you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Go Cowboys, because it's a big, <laughs> big fucking comedy crowd in here. Yeah, I mean, big football fans in here. All right, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. So uh, this season they do. They sucked uh, big, big donkey dicks last season. But uh, here we are, and we're not here to talk about football. Unless we wind up talking unless about we, football. Unless we, yeah. Which I doubt will happen because I don't know jack shit about football. That's fine. I don't, I'm not a big sports guy, but the only sport, I think, because of growing up in Texas, that I really paid any attention to and played and played somewhat well was football. So, like, I kind of follow it, you know? Like, and I really follow the Cowboys, which is weird, but it makes sense. <laughs> Because my dad took me to games during their heyday with Troy Eggman and Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin. And so I have a weird affinity and nostalgia for uh, the Cowboys of yesteryear. It's like I, I never played football. I wasn't allowed to play, play football. You weren't allowed to play football? I wasn't football. allowed to play football. It would, it would be unfair to others. <laughs> no, uh, I just had my parents were just like, I think I had an older brother who got, got one of his kidneys hurt in like a, in like a freshman high school sure. game. And my parents were like, all right, fuck this. Yeah, uh, we're not we're not doing this anymore. It was a big it was a big back and forth with my parents as well because um, my dad had played it and my mom was terrified of me getting hurt and they wouldn't let me do like pop Warner or the little like when I was a tyke. Right. But then as soon as I got to like fourth grade, which somehow that's acceptable because there were kids playing in like first grade. Right. I immediately tore cartilage in my knee and like almost had my back broken in a in a scrum. My mom was like, why are you doing this? And I was like, because it's, it's awesome. And then, and then I got to a point in middle school where I was, or junior high there, but uh, where I was like, oh, no, this is fucking terrible. And, like, I'm being broken apart, and I'd rather do theater. Well, it's and funny, so, and, and yeah. now, now you see all the studies that are just like, yeah, this is terrible. Yeah, it's a really bad idea for kids to be doing that. Yeah. Where are the football stars of, of you know, tomorrow going to come from? It's like I, I, I grew up in Chicago, and you'd think I'd be like an old Bears fan, but I didn't grow up watching the Bears. I remember, like, I, start, I, I watched Walter Payton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, because growing up, like, I remember the 49ers, because they had Joe Montana, and that was great. I remember the Steelers with Bradshaw. Right. Uh, it's like I, I watched the, the good stories. Yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't really follow the sport it's like wow this is a great thing that's happening you're right right uh the narrative yeah well sure. i mean to me it's like i watched the winners and i liked the winners i wasn't it wasn't until much late like maybe in, in my teen years i was like oh i i would want the bears to win except because, the yeah, bears except the bears suck right uh but i like walter payton but the rest of the bears seem to suck but then right about the time, I was like, all right, I should watch the Bears. We have the 85 Bears. And then you're, and I'm just you're like, right I'm there. like, you're welcome, Chicago. <laughs> because now that I'm rooting, sure. the Bears are one of the most dominant teams yeah. in NFL history. Um, but then they quickly returned to their then roots. Then they went to garbage land. Then they, well, then they, they completely sold off that team yeah. uh, and just went back to sucking. I, uh, speaking to Walter Payton, I tried to push this. And let's try to make it catch on because, you know, even though it didn't catch on at first, maybe we can do it as, as, as a team or as a nation or as a world. Um, you know, yeah, there's the, there, there, there are different drinks that are named after people, right? Right. Uh, so, like, the Arnold Palmer is a very popular half right. iced tea, half lemonade drink. And I was pushing at work years there's back. Bo- there's some booze in that one, too. Yeah, that's John Daly is where you put vodka in there as well. 
that's the difference, because John Daly's a big booze hound, or was. Wait a minute. And Arnold Palmer is a non-alcoholic yeah, drink? Yeah, it's don't non-alcoholic, think... right? Yes. Yeah. Really? Yep. That but is... the John Daly is that yeah. version with vodka or tequila or whatever, yeah. Wow, I never, I never knew. That's why I was a bartender for 10 years, and I never knew that. So people uh, would order, they would order the Palmer, and then you would put booze in it? And... I, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was, I was, but to, to, what's, what's funny to me is to think about that, because uh, Palmer was no, I mean, he liked his drink. He just he, died too, right? Yeah, he, like, just died. he didn't just die, but he, he, he died this year. Yeah, uh, but I mean, but he like he was a drinker. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, um, so, so I'm, I'm amazed that a non-alcoholic drink was named after. Sure. Him. And so I was trying to push the Peyton. The Walter Peyton was going to be half coffee, half hot chocolate. Uh, at work, like I was pushing that, and now that I say it out loud, maybe it's racially questionable. That's a but that's an ice grande mocha. Is that what it is? Well, I'm saying that's what a, a mocha is at Starbucks. Is basically it's hot, it's, espresso it's hot and, and chocolate milk. Okay. All right. <laughs> How do you feel about caffeine? Love caffeine. It's great. How much is too much for you? Uh, if, if I start feeling paranoid. Yeah, right? It's weird because sometimes I go in and out. Like, I, I, sometimes I, I can just drink coffee morning till night mm-hmm. uh, and just, just get the positive effect of the caffeine and sleep fine. And then sometimes I have... And this is rare, but sometimes I'll just have like one cup in the morning and get the jitters. Yeah, and, and I'm start like, freaking out. Yeah, about it's the like world. what the fuck just happened? Like, what yeah. coffee just turned on me? Yeah, that's, uh, that's right. But no, I I I, I love it. I, I mega doses. I know. I, hear, I go back and forth with it, where well, like I, so does the medicine on it. I mean, the the science on it, it's like it's bad for you. It's good for you. Yeah. It's bad for you. It's Low, good it's for like you. yeah, it cleans your liver out if you drink, yeah. and then other times it's like yeah, it'll get your heart rate too high or whatever. But yeah, I almost had a panic attack recently. I was doing a gig um, on the high seas. Uh, I, did, uh, oh, I, I did. Well, I did. I did Second City, uh, um, like t- touring company on the ocean, like the. What's the that? What's Second City? What's that? I've never heard of it before until they hired me. Uh, but <laughs> no, so so uh, like I did that on cruise ships, and then I ended up getting another gig through that um, recently doing other stuff where I had to eat and drink and and ride everything on the world's largest cruise ship. And you can have, like, everything you want. Like, you can have 10 steaks or whatever, and you can have 15 espressos or whatever. And um, they had a great espresso bar. And, like, I asked for one double espresso, and the guy gave me two double espressos. He's like, I thought you said two double espressos. And I was like, well, this is not going to go to waste. And so I, I, I drank both of them, and then I felt like I was going out of my fucking head. I thought that, like, I was losing my mind, like, it, it, it affected me in a way that I hadn't experienced probably in since the first time that I tried coffee when I wrote for my school paper. Right. And I tried it and was like, this is great. This is great. Oh, no, this is terrifying. This is bad. And why can I not stop shaking? <laughs> and who is trying to kill me? Because people are trying to kill me. So it's that weird kind of precipice that you reach, right? It's like riding the wave between enjoyment and insanity. That's, that's why I'm, I'm struggling to come to terms with it. That's why I was thinking, because I think part of it is like, if... If you're exhausted, I think, and I'm exhausted like most of my life, <laughs> right? Uh, I can drink a ton of coffee just because. Well, my body's exhausted, so it's, I, I'm not hitting that jitter thing. But if you're like, if you're rested, and you don't really need it, and you drink coffee or too much of it, then maybe it hits you. It's funny though, too much of it. Like in the morning, like my morning coffee is basically a coffee cup filled with espresso. Uh huh. That's my morning coffee. Do you have an espresso uh, machine? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's fancy pants. All right, high seas. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I have an espresso machine. It's just like a, a, a an espresso machine. It's, just, it's, it's a, about the same cost as a coffee maker. Nah, I also, I also, no, I also have a coffee like a maker. dollars Well, if you get a nice one, which I have. See? Uh, See what I mean? No, I have like a, like actually my, my wife got this, it was like a, a going out of business at a Nordstrom or something, and she got like a, like a $500 espresso machine for almost 200 bucks or something it's just, it's, it's it's a great machine there you go uh and i have a coffee maker as well in case i need to because actually I, I i can only have like about two coffee cups of espresso and that's <laughs> and then i'm like i should dial Wait, it down two to coffee cups of espresso yes so we're talking like a six to eight ounce cup that you fill entirely with espresso yes so that's not even an Americano. That's just like a crazy kind. That's just that's a lot just, of fucking espresso is what it is. Now, the, the fact is when, when I make it, I think it's watered down a little bit. Uh, 
because so it's, so the espresso is a little weaker than I think like a pure espresso would be. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it's still, it's, it's, I I can tell the difference because I, I I like coffee. I can just drink like water. Right. And I, I don't get as much caffeine from it. Right. But Which is espresso, why I don't like it as much. I like the espresso more. Yeah. So the espresso is in the morning. And I just I wakes you up. Yeah. Pretty quick too. Very quick. Uh. But you like shots too. Like you like the rumple mints. Oh yeah. And so like you like your shit concentrated. To get things going. Yeah, Rumpman's, for those of you listening who may or may not know, is 100-proof peppermint schnapps. <laughs> yes. It's basically, yeah, it's like, it's like, like cough syrup and scope and booze, like, had an orgy <laughs> and invited Miles and Brian O'Connell to the party, and they never left. It's like if grain alcohol fucked Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I once I once showed Brian O'Connell and 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 uh, maybe he showed you or maybe you already looked this up, but guess like the sugar content of of Rumblemints. Just like throw out some numbers, like how many grams of sugar? Thirty-four. Thirty-four. Okay, that's not anywhere near what it is. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, 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 it's the equivalent of like three Snickers bars. It's it's like just under. It's like somewhere in the seventies. It's basically like the. The caloric content and the sugar amount is like having like a fucking box of donuts uh, with booze just poured on top of it, but in a little tiny shot glass. I, like the Germans went fucking nuts when they came up with Rumble Mints, and I don't know that they I had no idea it had that much sugar. Because what makes it worse for your body is the you know it's 100 proof, so yeah, the the alcohol is going to make your body make even more sugar. Right, right. So it's just like you're really getting a lot of sugar with a shot of Rumble Mints. Yeah. I drink, mean, you might drink be, everyone. You might. <laughs> I wish this podcast was sponsored by them because it would be their only sponsor. It fucking should be <laughs> for the uh, amount of goddamn Rumplemans. I bought a case of Rumplemans last week. You also bought a case of adult a- onset diabetes <laughs> as well. <laughs> you did that. Um, what? You bought a case of it? What do you think? Like they're gonna stop making it? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's hard to find nowadays. And there's only one. <laughs> li- a, apparently, you can get a case of it still. Well, there's only one liquor store that I know of. Uh, that sells it, and so I, I go there because, uh-huh. uh, like, you, they used to have it at Bevmo, but they don't anymore. They, they used to have it at different places. They just don't anymore. They used to have it at Ralph's. <laughs> uh, but this place sells it, and the, I, I, I came in there last week, and I, I normally only buy like six bottles. Yeah, uh, sure. That's that's reasonable. You know, it's, it's it's not like I'm in there every day, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I go in there, and the guy goes, "I go, I just brought up my six bottles. Like, you want a case?" And I'm like, Cause "It was." Right before Thanksgiving, I think. And I'm like, a case? Like a, and he's like, yeah, n- no tax. No tax? No tax. So now, so I'm, so I'm I, you know, it's very quick in my head. If I buy a case, I save like 60 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take a case of Rumplemans. Uh, plus, I like the idea of the fact that I'm buying a case of fucking Rumplemans. <laughs> I am now a man. <laughs> uh, because, because of this purchase. Uh, and now I, it's funny. It's in my car. I kept the case, uh-huh. the the, the like Rumpelman's case box. Yes, box, yeah. yes. I think that's like that's like a, a war medal. <laughs> what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with it? Are I'm gonna, gonna use it the next time I buy Rumpelman's because the bottles fit perfectly into that case. There you go. Um, I have another question about that whole thing because it makes me think about because the only thing that makes Rumplemints palatable to me is the idea that it can be used in, in a dish, right? Like, there's a lot of places out in the world these days that uh, they have alcoholic uh, uh, rec- floats and desserts. Right. So I want you, I, I will ask you to try this, not with your children, because they're too young for this, but I want you to buy, like, a, not even a case of ice cream, just some ice cream, and I want it to be frozen, and I want you to take one of those many bottles of Rumplemints that you have and pour it over the ice cream and see and time how quickly it turns to liquid because I think that it's going to be fairly quick because alcohol has a high burn rate, right? It's going to just liquefy the ice cream and then you eat the ice cream and then you'll shit for days. <laughs> Don't tell me about that part, but tell me about how quickly it melts the ice cream. That's a long right. way of going about coming up with a weird experiment. Yeah, okay, because I'm probably not going to do that because... <laughs> But wouldn't that be interesting? Like, I think that there's something to that. When you get that high in proof in alcohol, for it to just melt things outside of well, your liver. Well, I suppose, like, I have a nine-year-old daughter. I, I could do it as a sort of science experiment. Yes. To show her, look how fast 
Here's what's happening to Daddy's liver. <laughs> uh, let me pour this rumplemen. It's also the, what, what makes it unlikely to happen is that that's a waste of fucking rumplemen right there. <laughs> but I'm saying you can have it at the end of cream. it, and then you're getting dessert. At the I don't same like time. mixing it with stuff. Like I know people, and it makes sense. Like if you, if you put it in hot chocolate, then you got like a uh, a sort of peppermint flavored hot, hot hot chocolate. But I just don't. It's also like you have to have it like almost ice cold. You can't freeze it because it won't freeze. Right. Uh, but it has to be very cold, otherwise it is like syrup, and it's you, you almost can't swallow it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which should tell your body something. If you're drinking yeah. something in a, a tepid state and your body's rejecting it, <laughs> it's like you freeze it to fool your body into swallowing it. Yeah. Uh, bringing it back to the, the, the cruise ship, because it reminded me, I tried to see if they had rumplements. They have a robot bar on this, on this uh, uh, ship. And by that, I mean there are robots that make your drinks. And so you, like, type in your, you know, whatever drink you want, whether it's customized or a classic cocktail. And then these, these like, weirdly ergonomic robots that are based off ballet dancers take the bottles off of the ceiling and right. then shake it. And then only you with your key card or your wristband can access it. Like, it's, like, locked up. And then you walk over to it. You see where it's in the queue. You do that. And then the thing opens up and you can get your drink. And I saw, I tried to see if they had rumplements in that bar, that robot bar. They do not. So it is not an international drink, apparently. It is not that coveted that robots can handle it. It's, it's the best drink in the world. <laughs> All right. Uh, the robots just don't know about it yet. <laughs> All right. So you also improvise. Yes. <laughs> so occasionally, You're, yes. You were born in Texas. You played yep. some football. Yep. Uh, we, we both have drank our share of rumplements. Sure. Uh, when did you start improvising? I started in uh, college. Um, I started doing short form, and I went to Colgate University. Uh, these guys who made Super Troopers, uh, the Broken Lizard crew, they started an improv group there. There was no improv group. They went there like 12 years before me. Um, and it was called Chart Goosebeak, and I saw it, and I hadn't seen anything like it, and I was like, I want to do that. And so I auditioned and, and got into it, and it just, you know, uh, short-form games, and uh, we would do sketch shows as well, and uh, really enjoyed it. And then I went and moved to Spain for a while, and then came back, and didn't know where I was going to live, and, and actually I saw you um, perform improv at, at I.O. probably in like 2000. Three or something like that? Were you still, or 2002? I was out here by then. 2000, okay, so it was during college, so it was like but 2001. But you, were still co- you were coaching a team, and then you were doing I might have been there. back for this, like, a, I, do a, I used to do like a two-week thing in Chicago in the summer. Gotcha. It was the summertime, because I was there in, okay. with a play that went into, uh, from Dallas to do a festival there. And uh, so I knew you before you knew me. Um, that just makes sense. Yes. <laughs> But I saw shows, I saw, uh, saw a bunch of shows at, at I.O. And, and at Second City, and it blew me away. I'd never seen, like, long form before, and I was really taken aback by it. And, and having done short form, I was like, oh, this is, this is like art. You know, not that short form isn't, but it, right. it, it, it kind of, you know, blew my wig back, uh, so to speak. And I thought about moving to Chicago, and everybody was like, come back in January and, and see if you really want to live here. Because I was only right. there... In the summertime, you know, in springtime. Oh, yeah, it's I've great been there the a few summertime. times, and yeah, they're like, come back and when it's zero degrees and, or less than that. And um, so, I, so I was like, oh, that, no, I'm tired of the cold because I went to school uh, in the cold. Uh, it felt like fucking Poland. It like snowed May 20th, my graduation day, and I was like, I'm kind of done with the Northeast. Um, but briefly tried to uh, New York out, and uh, Brendan McLaughlin, who you know, who was also in that improv group, with me was doing class at UCB, and I went and saw a class show there, and I was like, I like this, but I like the sun, so I came out to LA, I got a job offer out here um, working in production, so I took that, and then started seeing shows at IO West, and, uh, and then I was like, I went, I think one of my first shows was Armando, when it was on Mondays, and uh, That's I, when we really met. Yes, that's when yeah. we met, and I really enjoyed that. Like, again, the, that sort of, that, that format to me, it combined things that I, enjoy deeply which are uh, storytelling and improv and uh, and then I kind of just like scoped out the scene for a while and I, I didn't know really what I was in that weird position where it's like well if I'm working in production maybe I'm not going to perform anymore and then eventually I was like fuck this I needed to take classes where I was just like going to see shows and, and there was an itch that wasn't you know scratched and so I signed up and, and took classes there 
at Iowa West and had you, I think, for level six and, um, and then took a bunch of other classes elsewhere and um, rambling about improv. Then I did, you know, the Second City uh, uh, cruise ships, auditioned for that. Right. And traveled the high seas the first time with no, no robot bars at that time. Right. Um, and then, um, you know, just kept doing shows, all different kinds of shows. And now I do shows here, which I love doing. The Lusty Horde, sci-fi fantasy adventure horror show. Um, that, well, you, you also yeah. landed with Dr. God, right? Yes. And, yeah, and I met all the Dr. God boys at I.O. West. And at that time, it was kind of different ensemble and I guess Neil uh, saw me perform and was like, would you like to start performing with us and the cage matches there? And I said yes and started performing with them. And then we became fast friends and I met O'Connell and I met everybody else, you know, Cowig and, and, and Justin Ware. And um, we kind of blossomed into a group that really gelled well together and, and wanted to take things kind of the next level in terms of um, output and production and content. And we made a movie called Bloodsucking Bastards. It, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have a project coming up that we can't really talk about yet, but um, we're, we're starting work on in January. And um, I'm running out of breath. So that's right, that's right. It's all, it's like, yes. And that is everything you about improv. Yeah. Uh, you, you said in there uh, something you like about like, Storytelling and improv. Yes. Right. Uh, what do you view as the as the as the storytelling that is done in improv? I, I guess like part of me is like I I, I hate when I hear the note uh, like it's, it's if something like it's too plotty or that's too much story. I'm just like I'm because I, I never liked that idea because me it's like well, you're you're being too plotty. I mean I'm paying attention to the story that I'm telling because mm -hmm. uh, it's a story. Right. And, and those things are satisfying, uh, I think, not just to audiences, but to performers as well. And I, I, don't, I don't like that note either. And I do shows, I do a bunch of different shows, but The, the Lusty Horde is a narrative show. Um, Dr. God is more of a montage, but there's a story, you know, that we tell throughout the show. Um, so, and storytelling is embedded in us. It's part of, you know, I don't need to get all Joseph Campbell on everybody, but it's... Um, oh, get all Joseph Campbell. <laughs> Uh, no, but there, but there are things that are uniquely satisfying and like atavistically satisfying uh, as an audience member and as a storyteller that are that go back generations. And um, we're part of that tradition. And that sounds very highfalutin or whatever. But um, there's a satisfaction, I think, to paying things off. And there's a frustration, I think, in shows where you're very close to finding that thing organically, uh, but you. You, you don't end up doing that. And then there's that talk at the bar afterwards or in the alley or whatever where it's like, we were so close to this, right? And, you know, if right. only that. Where, and, it, and it shouldn't be about that ultimately, but I, I think that's a, that's a strong component of what appeals to me about um, performing and doing improv. All right, I'm talking uh, off the top of my head. Uh, Bless you. That makes me it's think... That, that makes me think about the idea of like in improv, we do a bunch of, we seem to in most pieces wind up doing a bunch of disparate scenes, but then we synthesize them into something that uh, feels like a story that has been told. Right. Uh, a, a, a good improv show when you see it leaves you with the feeling that you've seen a, a, some sort of story. Right. Uh, I kind of think, you know, in this particular moment that every time we do that, what we're doing is we're, turning whatever we're doing into something that we already recognize uh, so that we can finish it. Right. Uh, and I think some people like try and fight that idea so much because they, they want it to be so new when the fact is almost all stories that I, I can think of have already been told. Right. So we're really just sort of messing with something we're already familiar with. Yeah. That makes sense to me. And, and I think that it's a it's a weird thing uh, to it's a weird and awesome thing and an honorable thing to be a part of that um and I don't know that I don't know I don't know that I realized how how much a part of that kind of whatever you want to call it narrative 
is important to who we are as, as human beings. And, and, and traveling is kind of part of what I love to do, and I try to make a point to do like a, a trip internationally once a year. But when you go and see, you know, you go and see different shows, whether or not it's a language that you speak or don't speak, and you see those similar kind of like touch points, or you, you like whether it's fucking kabuki theater or, you know, uh, whatever, fucking flamenco dancing or something, there's, there's something to it that um, is part of a larger picture, and well, I think I'm happy I, to be a part of that picture. Uh, I would guess that it goes back to the, the, the thinking you sort of mentioned earlier, like you go to Campbell and you think of our mythologies, you know, all the, sto- all the, you know, the stories that are told everywhere among people who have never known each other, there yep. are the same stories. Exactly. So built into our condition seems to be to tell these stories. Uh, so if you take whatever story is familiar now, like if I do uh, a, you know, a mob scene, I'm going to take from Godfather and Goodfellas and that basic thing, mm-hmm. uh, but that's its own mythology. Right. Right. But I think maybe I'm just sort of because I tend to do this is I try and boil it down backwards to say, like, well, it, it, it all does kind of flow from, you know, what is human in us from our mythology. Right. Uh, and so in that way, it makes me feel like the exploration, which might seem flivorous. Fliver, like that. That is not a word. <laughs> it's close to uh, a word. <laughs> what, what word am I thinking of? Frivolous. Frivolous. Yeah. <laughs> I like frivolous, ter- though. That was a terrible try for f- frivolous. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, the exploration, which might seem f- frivolous, uh, is actually grounded in something much you know, deeper and more profound. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh... Which is why dick jokes are okay. <laughs> exactly. That's why they're very much okay. Yeah, I... Um... I don't have anything more to say except for that I'm on that topic. I was, but, I was, like, just, I was just, I mean, it's funny because I tend to say things like they've been true for a thousand years. I was just sort of guessing at that right there. I was just but it is. And it's like, I, think it's, I think it's a sense of like, uh, of uh, not just being a part of that larger narrative and, and it's a sense of being part of a community and um, coming together to tell stories that kind of have, and have been told before or are being sort of uh, modified and changed around. And, you know, it's like a thing that, comes up a lot where, and I understand where it's coming from, like the the frustration with uh, Hollywood movies like rebooting and doing all that, but it's like, if you look at it from the perspective that we're talking about, uh, this has always been going on, and these stories have always been rebooted and retold, whether it's Shakespeare and different actors um, personifying those roles and doing versions of historical uh, plays or tragedies or whatever, or it's, you know... Um, it's the, the oral tradition of fucking Homer telling, you know, uh, stuff about right. uh, Greek gods and, and, and whatnot. Like, the, the reboot thing has been going on for a long time. And I think people right. are pissed more because it's like, it happens so much more frequently now. And it's mostly comic book shit, you know? And, and so, but those stories, again, reverberate back into those times. They're just, you know, there's a new veneer and new lacquer on them or whatever. Right. It, it makes me think about how in improv, I think, and we all go through these levels. Well, you know, you, you start and you're trying to be funny, and you, and a lot of the time we're, we're we're trying to be funny because we're trying we're comedians of sorts. Yeah. Uh, but those levels of like when it gets really pretty, it's when a person also plays like the humanity of the character. Yeah. It's like it's funny, but they also manage to reveal like the the humanness of the, of yeah. the character they're playing. Uh, and I think people who are getting on teams are, they're trying to figure, well, what's funny about me on this team as opposed to what's, what's the human connection between me and this other person on the team? Yes. And I think the best ensembles find that. I right. think the best players find that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's funny because it reminds me, it takes me back again to one of the first long-form improv shows that I saw, and it was, uh, it was a two-man show with Bob Dassey, and I don't know the other performer's name, but this is like 2000. No, 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 it was a guy. Uh, but it was, just, it was a mono scene, and it was just the two of them in a barber shop for like 25 minutes, and it felt like a play. And, it, and I'm sure people have had that experience too, where you see something that is boiled down to what I think you're talking about, those human moments where it's not about like fucking crazy characters or, you know, nutty, whatever the hell, like uh, 
group scenes, and there's th- th- that's all good and well, but like seeing that play out and having it captivate an audience in just its simplest terms was really powerful for me, and and took it to the next level for me, where where it's like, no, this should, this should be about that, those human moments, good acting, um, things that everybody can identify with, and and patience, um, and. That really, like, seeing shows like that are what keep me doing it, you know? It's funny because I, I, <clears throat> we all tend to try and find a way to say, all right, that's what it should be. And the fact is, I think it, sh- it should be a lot of things. I think it, it should be exactly what you just described. It should, it should also be fast and overthought and frivolous. Right. Uh, it, it, it can be both. Uh, in one show, you can have all, all, all those levels, and I think people too often try and say, "No, it's this or that; it's one thing or the other." Where it's like, "Well, no, it it can be more. It, I mean, it, it can be that, but it can that doesn't mean it can't also be this other thing." Yeah. Uh, and rumplements, <laughs> and also rumplements. Uh, but it's it's a it's a strange thing too talking about improv before doing an improv show, which is why like I, I typically don't like to see too much improv before I do a show. Like, I'll, I'll watch the show before or after. But, like, I was doing a show uh, recently on the West Side, and which I love that theater, and it's great. It's not as good as the pack, but it's great. Uh, but, nice save. Nice save right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, they're doing a competition show, and it was running way over. And it was that thing of, like, you get fatigued, you know, from the counter perspective or, or something like it was like it was coming up on like okay I've already sat through an hour and there was another group and it was like I just got to take a walk because you get right. you don't get in your head about it but you just kind of get fatigued and um, so I think it's important to stay fresh and to not get too enveloped in um, in like and I'm not saying because I've coached teams and I've taught and, and stuff but like I'm not saying to overthink it, but I guess I'm saying like to, in my mind, to like put too, personally, I just can't do like too much watching of it before I do it. Does that make sense? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, as far as like, those are just two completely different things, watching it and and, and doing it. Because you get so analytical about what you're watching. Oh, yeah, because if you watch it for too long right before you go up, Sure as shit, you're going to call something back from another show in your show. Right. I mean, I've done that. Sure. I've made brilliant connections to other pieces that were not the ones we were doing mm-hmm. because I just saw it. Because, because that's what's in your mind. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't watch a lot before I came up to do it. Yeah. Uh, but if I do, I can always erase that with rumplements. There you go. Uh, again, the magical elixir of rumplements. Does anyone have any questions for David? Yes, sir. First of all, Bloodsuck Ambassador was awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I'm really interested because you, you said you had a background in production and then went into improv. And I'm really, really interested in how, how an improv crew informed the movie-making process. Yeah, so um, as you guys know, Brian O'Connell directed it and... Uh, Everybody in Dr. God, we kind of we rewrote a script that was brought to us that was a straight horror script. Um, and so it was our job to change it around, make it funny. And so in that sense, it's, it, the sensibility of improv, I think, plays out because it kind of goes back to what I was just saying. Sometimes it's good, it's good to see, I guess, stuff before you do stuff because you're like, oh, I would do that differently. Because with this case, it was a script, and, and it's that. It's that literally. It's, it's like... Oh, okay. Like, here's how to make this funny. Like, this is good, but it could be over here, you know. And I'm not n- knocking the original script, but it was a horror script that wasn't meant to be funny. It was meant to be a satire on on sort of corporate America, um, or like an incisive, biting satire, not like a you know funny humorous one. Anyway, uh, so that plays out in a lot of different ways. And then on set, in a, like practical terms, when shooting. Um, we would get what we wrote out, and then you know Brian would always be like, "Okay, like these next couple takes are for you. I have what I need." And then there were a lot of moments that were uh, spontaneous, or you know, just alt takes that. Um, 
ended up making the final cut just because you have that sensibility. And, and you know, whether it's drilling uh, stuff in your head with games like New Choice or whatever, it's like that stuff plays out, you know, um, in, in the real practical way because you have to, okay, New Choice, like what, what can I say this time that will be different and unique and interesting? How can I uh, perform it in a way that is um, different from what I just did? So, yeah, it, it, it certainly informed and I think improved uh, on the actual production. Um, and then you just had the familiarity of, of working with people that you know and love and enjoy. And so that, you know, creates a, a, such a comfortable work atmosphere. Whereas like if you're just showing up doing whatever, like an under five or fucking a commercial or whatever, it's like everybody's doing their own thing and they don't really care about you. And maybe the director is amenable to improv, maybe he's not. Um, but you kind of, you know, but it's a good thing about, again, bringing that improv sensibility where it's like, okay, well, I can, I can deal with this. Like, I can deal with the unknown. Whatever you throw at me, I can, I can rework and, and, and make unique. All right. Was there one more right here? Yeah. yeah. Um, I kind of want to go back to how you two were talking about uh, improv being human and the good acting of it. Um, one of uh, the, my most favorite... I guess shows that I've seen lately. Um, Miles, you did a show with with Candini, um, and the show started, dare I say, dramatic. Uh, I mean, Emily had like tears in her eyes. Um, as as an improviser, though, and maybe for both of you, it was like in your earlier years doing it. But like, what happens when you're up on that stage and you're playing, and it goes to that kind of like, dare I say, like dramatic moment? But like in the back of your head, you're like, I know I'm supposed, like, I know it's supposed to be funny. Well, you basically, uh, you go with what's in front of you. Uh, improv doesn't always have to be, I mean, there are all kinds of funny, uh, and there are all kinds of ways to express ourselves as human beings. Uh, and like, it wasn't our intent to do that. It just started, and the way it started it was like, oh, this feels different. Let's go with how this feels and see where that takes us. Uh, so that night it became that. Uh, and, and, and you probably saw the show we did a few weeks prior to that, which was a completely different show because that show went a different direction. Uh, so you, 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 you play what's in front of you. Uh, and basically the, the worrying that it has to be funny, you just let go of because it doesn't have to be funny. It doesn't have to... It, it doesn't have to be anything. It's only going to be what it becomes. And that's only going to be an honest thing if you follow it as it is becoming it and go with it. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks for answering that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, and, and you know, it, it's, that, it's that thing of you, you just have to be in the moment and, and follow what your partner's giving you and not try to force things. And, you know... That's always a challenge, I think, when it comes to just when you're doing like, I don't want to say pure improv, but like improv not based on a suggestion or a story uh, versus that where you, you have to kind of bounce. Like you shouldn't be beholden simply to the story or the facts and have that only guide you because you need to go to those places that you don't know where you're going to go. Um, that makes sense. So like in, in storytelling shows, people are tied to, I think, a certain degree of, again, that narrative of what you've heard, but you still need to open it up to that kind of, uh, whatever, human moments, emotional moments, or, or whatever, and, and I think that um, variance is important, too. Like, it's, you know, you just have to feel it out and, and follow it, and again, like, it can be, like you said, it, it becomes what it is, you know? You, you just can't force it. That I think that's sense. great. Uh, great, let's do a set. All right, let's do it. It's funny because this show isn't part because when I talk about we talk about improv at some level every time we do this, and then you have to get up and go. All right, now I'm an improviser. Yeah. Uh, and I completely, I don't feel any obligation to that. Well, that's that's the yeah because that, that's the thing too. Is like I might do wackadoo characters and and what who knows but then if you do i'm gonna stop and go really <laughs> that's the way we're going all right yeah. uh so what's gonna happen is me and dave are gonna do about 25 minutes of long form improvisation for you and all we need to get us started is a suggestion of anything at all set up what set up set up set up it's a good spread right 
It's good. It's good. <laughs> but it's not great. I think I think I'd like to see some more options. Okay. Okay, that's great. Alright. This this is the silver package. Alright, this is this is going to be my way. Right. And this is the silver package. You know okay. silver. You know what silver it's a middle metal. Sure, but it has, it has a lot of different uses, and I didn't know that the, the, the price point variance was going to be there. You know what's above silver? I, there's many metals that are above silver. Sure. And each one of those metals has a different corresponding package. Okay, well, let's, what's, what's, what's next above silver? <laughs> Platinum. Really? Not gold? Look straight to platinum? Because I would say platinum is above gold. Okay, are we talking about the, the tensile strength of the metal? Or are we are we talking about We're talking about the value of the metal? Platinum is more valuable than gold. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I trust your system anymore. Look, uh, <laughs> Terry. Can I call you Terry? Mm, yes, okay, you can call me Terry. Terry. I started this wedding wedding company 15 years ago, the dollar and dream. And now I have many dollars and many more dreams. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm curious, what did you do with one dollar? <laughs> 15 years ago, what did you do with one dollar to started this business? I took that dollar. <laughs> I got one dollar. <laughs> I made a loan. I'm going to start a fantastic wedding business. All right. You give me that dollar, I'll help you out. <laughs> yeah? Look, I know I see you every day and walk past uh, I know, yeah, but you don't know what I know in here. In your nose? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you go in there, right, right in the back of that, that's where the brain goes. He's right. That is where the brain goes. <laughs> I'm gonna give you this one dollar. Yeah. And I have a dream. All right. Not like a Martin Luther King dream. Mine is way smaller and more manageable. You want to hear my dream first? I just want the dollar. I want that dollar. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make your dream happen. All right. First, I gotta have that dollar. Well, just hear my dream out first. All right. I feel like you're gonna take the dollar and run away. Does he ever tell you something? What? The story is going on a bit. No, no. He, he told me the exact it's secret. It seemed like you were teasing a bum with a dollar. No. <laughs> no. That bum was Carlton Sinclair. I'm Carlton Sinclair. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest wedding planner in history of wedding planners. I, right? Yes. All right, yeah. <laughs> this is so fortuitous. Yeah. Don't be like me. He told me not to be like him. Well, there's one, why is, why is he a bum now? Because he lost his fortune. He lost his fortune and he took everything. He had the world at his fingertips. He had the oyster and the pearl. All right? He threw it away. He taught me how to be a good man, a better man than I was. He had the pearl and the oyster. What? You said he had the oyster and the pearl, but <laughs> I don't know how bifurcated <laughs> mussels or crustaceans work, all right? Is it a mollusk? Is it a crustacean? Because we can offer all of those in the well, platinum package. I know you don't find oysters inside of pearls, all right? So that's all I know. Okay. You're right. Look. The silver package was okay. I'm looking for something a little better. I'd rather we didn't use any of your metal analogies, analogies anymore. Okay, um, that's fine. I can work with that. Uh, let's try rock analogies. Do you want the granite package or the geode package? I want, what's the best package you have? <laughs> let's start with what's the best package well, you have? What's the best rock that you know about? Why does it have to be called a rock? Why can't it just, this is the best we've got. This is, the, I'm good with that. I'm good with just a, a, a description of it being the best package you can show me. Okay. I know you like cold cuts. You put oh, that no, in the question here. Ridiculous is ridiculous now. No, 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 no. Now you're, you're good. All right, uh, no. Fine, what? I'll go, go with cold cuts. <laughs> there are hands out there. I'm getting hungry, what does, I don't want a ham fucking package. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'm just saying, you can enjoy the silver package right now if you're hungry. Please, enjoy a cashew piece. Enjoy a garbanzo bean. 
Enjoy a Cheeto. Did you say garbanzo beef? Garbanzo beef. Okay. We do have a garbanzo beef package. There's no such thing as garbanzo. Oh, sure there is. You take chickpeas, you put them into ground chuck, and then you got yourself some garbanzo beef. Yeah, you can do that. Call it that. But it's not... It's, you're making a system. All right? Of deli meats. All right? Mm. Don't fuck around. Mm. Do it right. There's nothing... All right, look. Are we sticking strictly deli meat so we can't say like the prime, we can't say prime rib, that's not a deli meat. No, but we can slice it up and make a sandwich out of it. Well then we're just fucked. This whole system's fucked. This whole system's fucked. This whole system is fucked. You know what our kids are gonna have to fucking deal with? This whole system is fucked. <laughs> yeah, you heard me, you gold-breaking asshole. Oh, did I wake you up? Is it too late to hang out in your lawn? Fuck you! You're fucking gold bricking bullshit dinosaur fucking soil fucking I'm running out of steam here on the soul of this rich asshole. Help me out, Trevor. Look. Look, Blake. What? You didn't vote, man. I didn't vote because the system is fucked! When you don't, when you don't vote, you lose the right to bitch, man. Oh, that's not true, man. And, fucking and, and what right. are we accomplishing? Yelling at this fucking house, man. Because this asshole, that asshole is like a hundred yards away, behind probably a couple feet of fucking stone. Yeah, behind fucking croquet fields and bocce ball courts and all the other kind of fucking aristocratic horse shit that's gonna drive this planet into the ground. <laughs> Tonight. This is really yeah. <laughs> You'll notice I'm the only one who ever shows up to your fucking protest, man. Yeah, you know what? One plus one equals fucking fun. So get on board with that. You jerk off fucking hanging out with your fucking horses. You probably got horses in there, right? Maybe in the back. It's a large, looks like a very large property. Yeah. Right. Let's go, let's go somewhere and do something else. No, man. This is where it starts. This is the new ground zero. You hear me behind your fucking uh, silver platinum, what's a good, uh, American Express card? Your fucking black card, not in a racial way, that's like the executive level one. Black Lives Matter, asshole. Look, man, I'm gonna roll, all right? This is a bullshit. This is just you yelling at a house. Come on, man. You're my last friend. Please don't go. Look, I... I probably should have voted, but... You definitely should have voted. It's hard to fucking let you bitch when you didn't vote, man. That's like the number one fucking thing you can do wrong is to not vote. You know how fucked up the electoral college is? You fucking realize that? But that you still need to vote, man. You still need to vote. You know what? I'm fucking voting with my voice right now. No, you're not. I'm no. voting with my voice no. right now. Voting. Yeah, that's right. Voting. This no. is my voice. No. This is my vote. Voting is a literal thing, man. What? <laughs> you look, honey. You look great. Really? You look great. <laughs> You look fantastic. Look at you. I just want, I want your mother to love me. She's gonna love you. What's, what's not to love? I mean, look. You're a big, beautiful woman. <laughs> she's, gonna, she's gonna love you. I'm not real happy with how, what you just said. <laughs> no, you're taller than me. You're taller than me. Alright? You look great. I mean, you didn't say I was a tall, beautiful woman. I, was a big, I know, but big is, big is a measure of size, right? And, and height is. Look at that. Look at that. It's, it's just that you come from such wealth, and I don't. And I'm, I'm worried about the, no. the wedding we're planning. No, no, you're the total package, all right? <laughs> you're the total package. You're, all right, no, okay, but that's okay. It's a little, it's a weak little, it sounds like an athlete description, but okay. No, no, I mean, look at you. I don't have enough hands to handle this. <laughs> it's fantastic. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Every time that I see you look at yourself, I think about looking at you. 
which is what I'm doing. But I think about you just asleep, cuddled up, you know, like some sort of thing in a blanket, yeah. and you are just the picture of serenity and calm. And I love that. And I love okay. you. Okay, all right, that was sweet. That was sweet. You use your hand a little too much during it. Sweet. You're sweet. You're sweet. You're sweet. No, you're sweet. Like a jolly rancher. I'm a big tan. All right. Oh! Mom! Dad! Yes, the door was open. Please, come on in. Yes, come in, my dear. Oh, well. Yes. Yes, yes, I know. Quiet. It's just a little, I don't know. What's the word? Dank? All right. Don't make me hush you. I know. I just... I've already hushed you once. Don't make me hush you again. It's so good to see you. And who is this? This is... This is her. This is my fiancé. Um, I hope you... I hope you enjoy her. I really want you guys to... to get along and everything. Oh. Well. You... you look so... you look lovely this evening. Thank you. This is... This is Abrams. Thank you so much. Where should I put my purse down? I don't see oh. any sort of coke check or any area. For I'd be happy to take it for you. Where are you going to take it? Where are you going to take no, it? No, just, just <coughs> a, a servant will do. A servant can take the purse. She doesn't have We're, any servants, all right? We are humble people. So just... You are Abrams. You, I don't ever say the H word in front of me again. <laughs> I can't believe this. We are this. not that. I cannot believe this. I am unhushing you. I will <laughs> not at all let you or anyone other than a servant carry this purse. That's fine, it's fine. I don't, fine, you can, you can hold on to it or you, or, or you can put it wherever you, you want. I'll keep it right here on my shoulder. Thank you very much. Oh, she could put it somewhere like a servant. <laughs> You're treating my wife as if she were a servant. You guys gotta calm. Yes. You guys gotta calm down, okay? Not everybody's like you out here, okay? I'm gonna start throwing hundred-dollar bills. <laughs> I'm doing. I'm throwing hundred-dollar bills around your little apartment to make it more comfortable for me. Yes. <laughs> we call this the confetti game. Yeah, That's what we yeah. call this. Um, Ted, you guys. <laughs> no, 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 See what you did? What the hell's wrong with her? You guys are insensitive assholes, okay? We're not. Son, we are filthy rich. No. We inherited wealth. I finally found somebody who means something to me, who's bigger than I ever imagined. She is big. All right. All <laughs> right. But that's okay. That's okay. Because people come in all shapes and sizes, and colors, and creeds. Yes, you should get the best ones. <laughs> the best. Like, are you talking like racially speaking? If, if, well, if people come in all shapes and sizes, I would pick the best shape and the best size. That's the only way. That's the Abrams way. Yes, look at your mother. Mm. She's 60 years old. Mm. This body is not 60 years old. No, new f brand new face every other quarter. Yes. <laughs> brand new breasts every other week. Which is really taxing on my body, but look at them. But worth it to me. <laughs> All right, that's fine, but just people have different values and standards. And if you fucking wreck... I'm sorry, I shouldn't... If you recognize that, maybe you can get to love her. Maybe you can get to understand that. Oh, oh, wait. I'm about to have some sort of epiphany. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have epiphanies. We never have epiphanies. We never had one. All right. I'm, I'm going to leave the money. You clearly need it. No. But your mother... Don't... Oh. I'll throw more. I'll just throw more. Don't throw, throw more. No, money. stop it. Yes. I'll just throw money back and you can pick it up. <laughs> Good day. Your mother and I are leaving. We've seen all we need to see. 
Think about what you've done. Think about it. Yeah. What, the, what did I do? Well, what the fuck did I do? You really stuck it to him there. They're <laughs> <laughs> gone. They're gone. I'm so sorry. No, no. No. No, that's, that's not for one person. Alright? That's Costco pudding. You don't need to eat the whole thing. It's not even sanitary. Stop it. Terrible. No, 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 no. Look. Parents hate me. No, 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 they don't. And they're monsters. <laughs> Half of that's true, alright? What do you mean? They are monsters. They do they hate me. I can hear them. Just know this, okay? Those, those tears are just gonna make that pudding saltier, and it's gonna be even more unhealthy if you keep eating it that way. I don't care. This is comfort food. I that was horrible what just happened. It was horrible what just happened. That was horrible what just happened. I lost the account. She's gone. She's not coming back. I don't even think that I can fucking keep doing this. This is where... This is where I think that I just put it all on the line. What, I mean, what do you think? Well, the account's gone. Yeah. You lost that. It's not coming back. No, it's not coming back. So what are you going to do? It's a long shot, but you can't leave. Sinclair, the third. He bailed me out once before. Maybe you can do it again. He was he was a homeless person <laughs> when he bailed you out the first time. Yeah. Alright. He he disappeared. How do you think you're going to find him again? He's out there somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Where there's garbage. There's he garbage. sits and waits. garbage everywhere. <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down. No, that means he's out there. He's everywhere. Think about it. No, he's not everywhere. No, he's... <laughs> he can't be everywhere. He's got to be... He's out there somewhere. He's like Batman. He's no, out Batman. there. No, Batman was... Whenever he was out there, he was somewhere specific. No, he, but he, he was all over Gotham all the time, and that's what kept criminals at bay. He, he moved around Gotham, <laughs> and in doing so, he covered a lot of ground, but at any given moment, he was somewhere specific. Specifically everywhere, at all times. Like a no, bat. No, you don't know where they are. They could be flying through no. the night. They could be inside of your own attic space. What you're describing is omnipresence. Which, which he does not have. Carlton Sinclair is everywhere and always and all things. Alright, now, now you're saying he's God. Or he's, he's how we perceive God as being everywhere in all things. That's right. What if God was one of us? Alright, well, God, then Carlton Sinclair must be right here, right now. How'd you know? What? <laughs> I told you, Dick, I told you, Tom. Where the hell did you come from? I was here. See? He's right, I'm everywhere, all the time. I don't believe that reason. I'm gonna go to the bathroom and see if you're in there. Impress me, Carlton. <laughs> He's gonna find me in there. Is that right? <laughs> yes, he will. <sighs> Look at me, I'm in the bathroom now, what Carlton the fuck? Sinclair. <laughs> what? Yes, I don't see who it is. I'm in this stall right here. <laughs> yeah, I am. Ah! How can this be? How Wait a minute. Yeah, I'm here too. What he said was right. I'm going to go kill myself now. The world no longer makes sense. No, 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 no. No, Carlton Sinclair can save you. If you kill yourself, he'll just bring you back to life. Isn't that right, Carlton? Yeah, I will. <laughs> I'll just bring you back to life. 
All right, then. I will test you in that. Oh, St. Clair. <laughs> hey, is there anybody on the other side of this glory hole over there? It was like... <laughs> it was a weird... It was kind of uh, weird. It's me. It's me. Carl and St. Clair. That's not, a, that's not a glory hole. That's just a hole in the stall. <laughs> Wait, you're... The one and only Carlton Sinclair? Yeah, and I ain't, and don't, don't go sticking your dick through that glow, through that hole. <laughs> there ain't nothing gonna happen to it. You sure? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure, I'm Carlton Sinclair. The greatest wedding designer that ever lived. You're great at everything, you must be great at, you know, just uh, holding some D. <laughs> Sure as shit, I'll hold it. You're gonna start moving back and forth. No. And then all of a sudden, here I am giving you an HJ in the bathroom. Hey, don't no, <laughs> no, say anything about an HJ. I just, yeah, just talked about, you know, holding some D. I ain't holding no D. You keep your D in your own stall. <laughs> what about. What about maybe just like a little bit? No, I, we ain't playing just the tip with the fucking hole. <laughs> Can I feed you a candy bar through the hole? What? You got a candy bar? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got a candy bar. Yeah. I, I love a candy bar. There you go. Hey, a candy bar! It's a Milky Way. Hey, a Milky Way! Oh, it gets milky. That's your dick. It's gonna get real milky. All right, you asked for it. What? What are you doing? Put a bow. Put a bow on my dick. Yeah, just tie your dick to this side of the stall. No, no, no. casino that you ordered in the package and it's a fantastic dish. It's just sometimes I don't know who I am, you know? Am I an Adams? An Abrams? Or something in between? <laughs> You're an Abrams, but you can be whatever kind of Abrams you want to be. Things can change on a dime. People can change on a dime. You're right. The, the guy who thought he lost my account when he found out I was coming back to him, he was he was so happy. He was he was he was reborn, and he was walking around with some strange homeless fellow. <laughs> That's Carlton Sinclair. Get no fucking way, Carlton <laughs> Sinclair. Carlton Sinclair third. had a, had a hand in setting up my wedding spread. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you're oh. oh, you're talking about change. Yes, you're. Uh, hope you don't mind us showing up. Uh, your mother and I heard a certain Carlton Sinclair had a hand in setting up this spread. Why didn't you say so from the get-go? You get the fuck out. What? The both of you can get the fuck out. I don't. Yes, you're right. At all. Carlton Sinclair set up my fucking wedding spread. Well, I never. I never. Yeah, I bet you never. Get the fuck out. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing right now? Let's go, dear. I can see when we're not welcome. A pox on you. A pox on both of you. Oh, don't revert to gypsies. <laughs> Look at you. There's such a whole new glow about you. It's like you lost 15 pounds. I think I did. That's oh, amazing. You did. 
What? You just lost 15 pounds. That's him. The one and only. Pilot is in clear. Yeah. I just came by to light the candles. 